Welcome to Day Beautiful. I'm Adam Vitcavage, and this is a podcast where you can discover debut authors. If you like what you hear here, check us out on the web at daybeautiful.net and on all social media at Day Beautiful. Today's guest was born and raised in New York and earned her BA from Colorado College and her MFA from New York University, where she also taught creative writing. Her work has appeared in over a dozen publications and has been nominated for Best Small Fictions. Her debut novel, A Novel Obsession, is out now. Please welcome Caitlin Barish. Hey, Caitlin. How are you doing today? I'm doing really well. Yeah. How are you? I am doing extremely well. Uh, I'm, I'm super excited to talk to you. I've seen you on like social media for quite a while. And okay. now that your book's finally coming out, I have a reason to reach out and bug you about all the questions I had about uh, novel <laughs> obsession. Bug away. Love you bugged. The, the first thing I want to ask is this has nothing to do with your book. It's actually just a random question I have because I'm obsessed with names. Your name is Caitlin with a C. Mm-hmm. And then you go by Katie with a K. What's, what was that decision okay. about, if you don't mind talking about it? I feel like you should take this up with my parents. <laughs> um, no, it's, it's actually kind of a funny story. My mom always wanted, if she had a daughter, to name her daughter Katie. I don't know why she said that this is a name that she'd been wanting to give her daughter since she was a child, um, which is a little weird, but there you go. Uh, and my father, when it came time to actually do the thing and have the kid, um, he, want, he wanted a name that sounded a bit more professional, a bit more formal uh, to go on the birth certificate. Uh, Because Katie, I guess, is a nickname, mostly for Catherine's, which is why it's probably confusing. Um, And they just ended up doing Caitlin with a C, which is the Irish version of the name, which is funny because no one in my family is Irish. (laughs) We're like very Ashkenazi. Um, (laughs) But yeah, so I think it was just a bit of a miscommunication, um, but I like confusing people. No, it's awesome. Yeah, because I'm with my brand now. Yeah. Oh, I love it. It's just, it, yeah, it's just kind of not funny to me, but yeah, a little bit. It, it, name play is just always great. Um, <laughs> I actually, so. yeah. And I just love that your Twitter is like, it has to say like Caitlin, Katie. Um, no, yeah. uh, we are not here to talk about names as fun as that was for me. I hope people stuck with this podcast. Uh, we're here to talk about <laughs> novel obsession, your debut novel. Um, tell readers what it's about, not from the publicity copy, not from what uh, the media thinks it's about. What are you think, I mean, what is novel obsession for you? Yeah. So it's about an aspiring novelist who feels really stuck in her life, um, doesn't know what to write about, but also really doesn't quite know who she is and, and, you know, what she's been put on this earth to do. Uh, And she decides um, after, you know, dating around in New York, as one does, uh, and finally finding someone that she actually thinks she connects with and is excited about, Um, She's sort of brought down to earth with the revelation that his ex-girlfriend lives in New York and not overseas, which is where she originally thought the ex-girlfriend would be because um, her new boyfriend is Welsh. So with that revelation, not only is this ex-girlfriend in New York, but also works in the literary world in a position that Naomi, my narrator, finds, uh, you know, very impressive. She's also a bookseller. So I believe that she just gets really uh, obsessed with Rosemary and essentially stalks her online and then finagles her way into a false friendship with Rosemary that Rosemary believes to be real um, and authentic and thinks shit hits the fan from there. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. It does. Yeah. Uh, what I loved about this book is it's like super fun. And, and I don't think most people think I read really depressing books. And I felt that this was like the most fun I've had with the novel for a really long time. Um, oh, good. 
I guess I just want to go back. Like, what is, um, what was the genesis of this? Were you always, was it, yeah, just, I'll, I'll leave that open ended. What kind of was the first thread for novel obsession? Yeah. So basically I, when I moved back from Colorado, which is where I attended undergrad and I moved back to New York um, and I started a job as a bookseller Mm. at powerhouse arena. And I I loved that job. It was like an amazing transition uh, into, you know, the literary world that I really wanted to be a part of at the time. This was like in 2015. And, you know, I immediately got kind of sucked into this, into the literary world in New York, and I got to meet other writers and really feel like I was a part of that community, um, which, you know, does encompass both the publishing world and the agencies, but also all the indie bookstores. We have so many here. Um, And while I was there, you know, I was also dating around, as one does. Um, And, you know, I was hearing stories from a lot of the people that I was, I was meeting and connecting with. And one of the stories just uh, gave me pause um, and immediately just got me thinking, got my brain moving in a million miles an hour um, about not only, you know, a woman who was working in a bookstore and didn't know what to write about, which is like quite literally what I was dealing with at the time. I was like, what, what am I doing with my life? Um, but, you know, also just immediately wanted to take this thought experiment to absolute extremes which was really fun for me um, because yeah, I just got to do bonkers things on the page that (laughs) I would never do in real life. Um, would probably be behind bars for doing. So yeah, that was essentially the genesis of the novel. Just having that initial, you know, learning a story from someone um, thinking that it would be a really interesting premise for a novel and then absolutely dialing it up times a hundred. (laughs) <laughs> for, yeah definitely dialing for a thousand. Up. yeah um did you start this in 2015 when you're back at powerhouse arena or when when did you start writing it i started i think in 2016 so i worked at powerhouse um from about i think october 2015 to around april 2016 mm-hmm. um and and sort of began uh what would what would eventually become this novel um in 2016 and a lot of like the book selling scenes started i started writing while i was working there and sort of all found their way into the book at the end it was sort of like a frankenstein's monster but eventually turned into something cohesive and something publishable yeah, after you left the bookstore, is that when you you did an MFA in New York City, right? I did, yeah. I did an MFA at NYU. Was that during your time at the bookstore or after? No, I was I did a lot of weird stuff. I love <laughs> after it. No. I left the bookstore. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I worked um after I left the bookstore, I worked at Symphony Space, which is this interdisciplinary performing arts space on the Upper West Side. It was literally like across the street from where I grew up. So it was a really easy commute, which meant I was always late because I could walk there. And so I would always stroll in and be like, shit, I'm late. Um, but essentially I worked there as the manager of their book club camp for kids. for the whole summer of 2016 which was so fun and so just you know worthwhile and fulfilling and just got to hang out with little nerds all day it was amazing and kids that reminded me of me and um yeah and then I sort of did a bunch of like random freelance gigs until I started the MFA in 2017. For sure um yeah I love when there's just random stories because I feel like that's like my whole life has been I fell into this job I wasn't looking for it or et cetera et cetera et cetera Um, yeah were you working on novel obsession in earnest then? Like that was what your time at the MFA was all about? 
Yeah. I mean, well, you know, it was mostly a novel obsession, which was at that point titled a special skill, which, you know, prayers for that one. Um, um, but yeah, I, I also, you know, I was working on sort of two novels simultaneously at the MFA and I really, I was passionate about them both for very different reasons. Um, and I wasn't sure which one I should stick with. And eventually I sort of I didn't combine them in totality, but I definitely like stole from myself <laughs> and, and, you know, combined elements of both books. And that sort of ended up feeding into what is now a novel obsession. Yeah. Um, yeah. What did you steal? What were the parts that seeped in eventually? Yeah. So the, the infertility plot, which if you've read a novel obsession listeners, you, you will now know, I mean, um, not many people have read it yet because it's not out yet technically, um, but yeah, so that plot was originally part of the other novel, but it was something that was just really important to me and that I just really wanted to write about. Um, and so that wasn't initially in the novel, uh, neither was the grandmother character. She wasn't as big of a role, uh, originally. And I feel like she's sort of the beating heart of the book, um, as it stands in my mind, I'm just really attached to that character. So I'm really glad that I, I decided to steal from myself as it were. Yeah, definitely. Um, I'm going to take a detour real quick because it just yeah. kind of fell into our lap. You, you mentioned, you know, a plot line and, and people may or may not have read the book yet. What are your thoughts on spoilers in literary fiction? Are there spoilers? Like, what do you feel about that? Because this <laughs> is a, a thing. really good question. Yeah. Because I think it was Brandon Taylor, who I bring up too often on this podcast, who tweeted something about spoilers are a myth. And maybe I'm misinterpreting a tweet. But I think about that a lot because I don't care about plot when I'm reading necessarily. I just right. care about the writing and the character development mostly and how I feel about reading. Like plot is secondary, tertiary to me. How do you feel about like plot spoilers? Yeah, I mean, I, I would probably align myself with you as a reader. Um, but since I wrote this book and a lot of people have been, you know, excited to find out how it ends, that's usually how they're phrasing it to me. I don't really want to spoil oh, how it ends. Yeah. Although at the same time, you know, when you're reading this book and you're deep inside Naomi's mind and you're seeing her make all these terrible decisions, a reader would likely, you know, expect that things would blow up in her face. <laughs> um, and I think that, you know, the million dollar question is how and and how, exa how exactly does it blow up in her face and who gets hurt and who is sacrificed and um, but no, I totally agree with you. I mean, usually someone could tell me the entire plot of a novel and I would still be like, okay, well, I want to know how they pulled it off yeah, and go in and read it. Um, because yeah, just as, as a reader and a writer, like I want to know, I, I want to know how they manage something. It's like a hat trick. Uh, so yeah, I would definitely agree with you there, but you know, been, I've been sort of warned not, oh, no, not, to, of course, not yeah. to spoil the one twist that I managed to. Yeah. <laughs> and, and yeah, uh, yeah. I was just curious because it kind of came up just naturally there and I, it's, it's just something yeah. that's always on my mind because I do not care about I mean I guess if I'm watching like Star Wars or whatever that's completely different I'm literally there for the plot you know yeah yeah of um anyway uh when you're writing uh we talked about like kind of what you're interested in as a reader when you're writing like what are you what are you trying to pull off every day what's what's your do you, like what do you like turns you on when it comes to writing what what, what gets you going <laughs> That's a really good question. And, you know, sometimes it really depends on the day and depends on what part of the book I'm trying to tackle. Um, you know, I love writing scenes. I love like two people in a room talking, <laughs> which, you know, uh, I've been told in former workshops I've been in that they're like, I mean, this isn't necessarily true of a novel obsession. So I think I, I am proud of the way that I write New York and, and evoke New York. But I think in the past when I've written about place, 
I just, I'm like, it's a tree uh, and a city. <laughs> and I, I'm really not as interested in my surroundings, even as like a human being. So I think that is something that I want to work on. But I think what I really love to write is just two people in a room finding out things about each other and kind of having both of their desires and insecurities like bumping up against one another. Um, and so whenever I sit down to write, I'm just excited to find out what these characters are about and mm -hmm. potentially how they're going to devastate each other yeah. in a scene. Is that mostly through dialogue for you or how do you like to explore that? Yeah, it is. I really do enjoy dialogue. Um, you know, and I think it took a while to sort of hone it. And I think, you know, at the end of the day, like my first drafts of dialogue are not always impeccable and it takes a lot of tweaking to sort of figure out, okay, would someone actually say this? And it's actually been very helpful. This is a bit of a tangent, but my brother and I, he's an actor and we were very briefly over the pandemic when we were living in the same house um, with my parents, <laughs> our parents, uh, we decided, you know, we have nothing else going on in our lives right now. Why don't we try writing a play together? Um, and it was so interesting because I had never written in that form before. Uh, and it is, of course, all dialogue. Um, and it was really hard. And I, I definitely like was taken down a peg or two because I thought my dialogue was great. And he was like, no, like an actor would not know. <laughs> but he was really helpful. And it's just interesting to sort of hear from an actor who isn't as interested in like the mechanisms of 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 character, well, you know, very interested in the mechanisms of character, but in a, in a just completely different way. Um, and yeah, and that just continues to interest me, two characters in a room talking. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's so interesting. I, I, I used to think, I mean, I don't write fiction. I don't write anything. I just like to talk to writers, um, really. But I used to think, yeah, like I would love to write like a play or a screenplay because it's like, I don't have to worry about like the mechanisms like you were saying about everything that goes into a novel. But I feel it's just like such a wild like dialogue, 100, 200 pages of dialogue. No, thank you. 80 pages of dialogue. <laughs> yeah, that's wild. Yeah. I feel um, like that is how screenplays differ from plays. Like I, I, I have a feeling that people that don't necessarily consider themselves good writers on the sentence level could be bomb screenwriters mm -hmm. because I think it is so visual and it is so much about mood and tone and action. And so, yeah, I'm, I, I mean, I don't think I could pull it off, but I'm, I'm really always impressed with screenwriters and, and what they're capable of. And then outside of like two people in a room, one thing, or I guess I don't even know why I said that. One thing I loved, and you met, you alluded to earlier, is like just this is at a hundred the entire time. It feels like it's it's just like you 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 get in, and you go. Was that easy for you to just like ramp it up, ramp up like normal life? Not that this is unrealistic, but you know. Um, it you know it, it was easy some days and and hard other days. I think you know Naomi's is so intense. She's such an intense character, and you know it got a little bit dark being in her mind all the time. Mm -hmm. Um, so I think that aspect of it wasn't totally easy. And I think I did have to keep asking myself like, what is a crazier and crazier and crazier thing she could do? Because at the end of the day, like I wanted to portray a character who is so like beyond the realm of anyone that I could really imagine in real life. And obviously, I, I want her to feel real. Um, in the way that every writer wants their characters to feel real but in a sense you know she's sort of the slippery slope of all of us like she is what would happen if we all absolutely gave into our basis impulses um and really went there without a care in the world for how our actions affected other people um or even how they affected ourselves because i don't think she comes out looking so hot at the end either um i think it's a book about self-sabotage uh, as well um but yeah i mean i think it was a lot of fun to keep asking myself, okay, how can I make this scene crazier? What can she do next? 
Um, but yeah, I mean, it was just thought experiment upon thought experiment for me, which could, was occasionally quite dark. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Did you know like where Naomi's story was going the entire time or did you let it fall apart as it does naturally? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I knew that it had to fall apart, but I really wasn't sure, um, what, what ending I, I needed for her. And actually it was sort of happy accident that I, my thesis advisor at the time at NYU um, was Jonathan Safran Foer. And, you know, I went in, I went into his office one day and was like, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. And, you know, I'd written like 200 and so pages and I was just really struggling on, on how to write that final chapter. And we just like brainstormed for a little while. And he said, does this feel right? Does that feel right? And I asked him, does this feel right? Does that, does that feel right? Uh, and ultimately the ending we landed on just felt right to me. It just felt inevitable. Um, and when I wrote it, I knew in my bones that it was right. Uh, cause that was sort of what I had set out to do after that meeting. I said, you know, I'll just go home and write the ending that we discussed and just see how it feels, see if it comes naturally, see if I'm excited about it. And it was the fastest chapter I wrote. Um, yeah, I think I wrote it in like one night uh, and it just, yeah. And it was really, wild it was a wild writing state I think I stayed up till like three in the morning um so the ending I'm, I'm really fond of and it's you know it's been controversial so far there are some people who love the ending some people who don't and I'm prepared for that um but yeah that was my favorite part to write I think to be honest yeah I mean I liked it I don't even think people wouldn't like it but well, I'm weird. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> thank you for saying that. Even so if you're I, lying to me. <laughs> no, I'm not. Um, what, what I want to like bring up then is like editing because like, mm. like what were editing notes? Like were, were people like, this is too crazy. This is not crazy enough. This ending, you really have to change it. Kind of, what, yeah. What was that process like? Yeah. So my editor has been amazing the entire time. Lexi Casola at Dutton. She's really, you know, been such a champion of the book and of Naomi and really helped me to, uh, you know, bring it into its own and, and make it what it is. Um, and, you know, but I think she also was occasionally like gently reminding me that there are moments where Naomi's motivations were a little bit unclear at times mm -hmm. in that first draft that she saw. Um, and so, and so she never asked me, Hey, this needs to be less crazy. It was more of like, we need to sort of contextualize how crazy it is. Um, an extra sentence here, an extra scene there. Um, which, you know, I was really, I was really glad for, I was glad that I was never told to, to tone it down. If anything, I was told to, to turn it up, <laughs> but just make sure that she always felt like real, um, at any given moment. So yeah, mm -hmm. I hope that answers your question. No, it does. And then, um, I feel like I'm always all over the place, but you, how do I want to phrase this question? I guess you're funny. Like you're a funny person. It's it, like, you're fun to talk to your novels. Funny. Is that something you have to work on when you're writing? Like, do you have to drain yourself in? Do you have to try to be funny on the page? Cause I feel there's multiple types of people who are like, they're naturally funny in conversation, but they couldn't never be a stand-up comedian per se. Right. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. How do you, how do you approach humor in writing? Yeah. So I, I don't, aim to be funny on the page because I think the times that I have it just doesn't work because it seems forced um, and stilted and I think you know but what what has always interested me as a writer just like wacky situations mm -hmm. um, and I think for me like when I think of the humor in my book I do sort of think of it as situational humor and some of it does come directly from Naomi's weird brain but oftentimes putting her in these wacky situations sort of made it easier for me 
to then go in and add a humorous line here, humorous dialogue there. But it always sort of starts for me in the situations, situational humor. Um, but it's it's great that you brought up humor because I, you know, I have um, a humor writer, a comedy writer in my family. Uh, my grandfather, who passed in 2019, he um, was a comedy writer. He wrote uh, sketches for many um, like long running television series in you know, before I was born, essentially, like in the 50s and 60s. Um, so I feel like I've just been, I've been brought up with his one-liners and yeah. his his sense of humor and humor is just really important to my family. And we just love to rib each other and yeah. <laughs> make fun yeah. of each other and, and kind of one-up each other in conversations. But I really feel like he's been such an inspiration to me. Um, and he wrote a memoir, you know, right before he passed that has been such a gift to hold on to, um, to kind of have that piece of him going forward and, and his have his literal voice, you know, on the page forever. And he's he's so funny. If anyone wants to read a memoir about a comedy writer, uh, I highly recommend. It. It's called "The Sound of Laughter" by Norman Barish. I'm here pimping out my grandfather, but yes, um, as you should. <laughs> it's amazing. <laughs> it's amazing. Yeah. Um, where where do you think your writing goes from here? I mean, th- this was born out of like your situation at the time. It sounds like. Um, mm-hmm. w- not necessarily what are you working on next, but what are you interested in in the future? Yeah, I definitely want to stick with sort of dark humor, tragic, tragic comedy. I think that's where I feel most comfortable. Um, and I, you know, I, I really loved writing the family scenes and, and the family sections of this book. And I think, you know, this was a very millennial social media, like modern relationships novel. And I think in my next book or, you know, I, in my next book, in my next story, I would love to sort of dive into my family a little bit more and, and sort of use family stories and expand upon them, fictionalize them. Um, because yeah, there's just so much material there. I think everyone feels that way about their family, but we all want to make sense of where we came from and make sense of the people who came before us. And yeah, and I just find my family really fascinating and I'm terrified here um, in, in the but. Yeah, that's definitely what I want to do next. And this is also going to sound incredibly geeky, but I think I want to write about horses <laughs> more in, in my work in the future, just because that's something I wrote about in literally everything I ever wrote until I turned 15 or 16. <laughs> um, I was obsessed. I was a total horse girl. Uh, and yeah, I just want to sort of a, reapproach that um, from the perspective that I have now and just try to dig into that part of my childhood. That reminds me... Horse Girl. Have you read the Horse Girl's essay collection? I have. I've read a bunch. Well, I haven't read the whole thing cover yeah. to cover, but I've read several essays in it. And I actually used to work for Holy Matt Electric Literature. So I was mm. really excited that um, that that collection was being put out because, yeah, I feel like we need more stories about Horse Girls. And that, literally what that collection was about is trying to sort of break the mold and yeah. and, you know, subvert expectations and stereotypes, which I think it did beautifully. Yeah, it's something that's not part of my peripheral at all and I enjoyed it it's, it's <laughs> you know like I have no experience in that horse girl world but now I feel like I I, I can understand a little bit about it yeah um, you should go hop on you should check it out oh it's gonna yeah that's gonna be my next obsession like post-pandemic <laughs> I'm gonna become a horse girl guy um or something uh what have you been reading uh during the pandemic recently what do you what's on your nightstand what's 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 making you tick right now 
Yeah. So I was lucky to receive a galley of Edith Bottomans, um, either or recently, um, which I know isn't a debut, but you know, because I love the idiot so much, I was so excited to get this book. I dove into it as soon as it arrived um, and just absolutely loved it. And just, it resonated with me in so many different ways. Cause I don't know her, she as a writer is so interested in conversations with other writers. And so throughout that book, there's just like long monologues about classic literature, contemporary literature, and it's just such a blast. Um, I also just finished Last Resort by Andrew Lipstein, um, which I loved. And, you know, it's also about writers behaving badly, which is clearly something I'm interested in. Uh, I just thought it was, it was a really fun read, a very stressful read. I think I was, you know, having trouble breathing at points as I was reading it, but, um, but highly recommend it. A lot of fun. Um, I read the four humors recently that I loved. And I think she, Mina came on the podcast. Yeah. yeah loved yeah. it. So and once again, you know, yeah. And she managed to pull off something that I really admire, which is one, like, you know, a family story mm-hmm. um, while also being a millennial story about modern relationships and, yeah. and uh, the ways we sort of move through the world differently than the generations that came before. And yeah, I just love that book. Um, and I, I want more people to read it. <laughs> um, yeah. It's so, so yeah, those are the three that come to mind at the moment, but I'm doing a lot of reading, although not as much reading lately as I would like, just with all the crazy, yeah, but I, that's like, honestly, something I'm so excited about for this sort of to, to calm down and so yeah. I can go back to reading more again. Yeah, I definitely yeah. hear that a lot. I, it's always like, I haven't, uh, you know, written anything in months because I've been you know, writing pre-pub essays or yep. <laughs> all these things. I'm like, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, it's like hard to, you know, I don't, I'm definitely not complaining about it, but it's it's way more overwhelming than I expected it to be, which I'm sure you've heard a million times. Yeah. This is a podcast about debuts. <laughs> it is interesting to hear like the, the, the repetition in, in experiences, but I also think it's, comfort I mean maybe it's comforting for other debut authors to be like oh okay like my friends maybe we're not talking about this but the stranger is so yeah no it's been really helpful to just sort of you know I'm a part of this debut group that has been incredibly um comforting and we all just really support each other on this and these are people that I've like never met in real life and might never meet in real life but it's this lovely place where we all just vent about things that are bothering us talk about how grateful we are but also you know just tell each other to take get some rest um eat (laughs) sleep uh relax you know find time for friends and family and and you know just try to chill out and enjoy it versus stressing about it and yeah so it does feel like high stakes but now it's it's just one part of a long journey Thank you so much to Caitlin for joining the podcast today. You can find her on her website at CaitlinBarish.com. You can find us at DayBeautiful.net and on all social media at DayBeautiful. As always, I'm Adam. This is Day Beautiful, And you're all beautiful.